You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Batteries store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hiya, buddy. Hey, hey, friend. (laughs) I don't know why I've had that in my head all day. Uh, That's an office line for you. Hey, guys. Adam Keith here. Matt Dye here. And we're here for another Habitat Heroes Land and Legacy podcast. Um, It's been one heck of a week. Uh, It's been a life on the road. I haven't been on the podcast a whole lot lately. People are probably Uh, wondering, where the heck have you been? And anyway, Matt's been kind of taking the reins on the podcast uh, last couple of weeks. Um, Do have one announcement. And I'll, and I'll throw this to you at the start. Uh, a couple weeks ago, last time I was on here, I made that uh, thing saying, uh, first guy to leave a review that I saw, uh, I would send you my copy of a San County Almanac, Aldo Leopold book. Um, and that was Roger Faith. Sorry if I said that wrong, but Roger Faith from Festus, Missouri. Festus. So he's Festus. the winner He's the winner of our uh, uh San County Almanac book. So I'm gonna get the finger paint out. You got anything? Why? I'm gonna sign it with my hand. Oh, remember? gotcha. And uh, anyway, you got anything you want to give away this week? <coughs> I got something. I'll send I got. Somebody. I got lots of good stuff. Lots of free advice coming the next hour. <laughs> I will say, and I don't know what I don't know what uh, you guys would like, but I will send. Um, I will send. A Hooks Custom Calls Exterminator Slate Call. That's a pretty good call. That's a real good call. Um, I'll send you that one and a striker, which it's like a $60 call. It's a really, really nice call. It's a, it's a, uh, I think it's a zebra wood pot with crystal top with a slate sounding board. I'll send it to one of our listeners and I'm trying to think of what they got to do to qualify to, to win it. Last time they had to leave a review. 
How about how about they got to post a picture of their turkey harvest this year on um, Facebook page? They have to like the page, and they have to post a picture with a recommendation on our Facebook page. Three things then. Yeah, like it. Work for it. Post a picture on the recommendation. So you can post a picture with the recommendation. You got to post a picture of a turkey. Uh, that you've harvested in the past. Who knows? Maybe they need this call to harvest a turkey this year. No excuse. But I'm sending you, <laughs> all you got to do is write a review. Uh, most likely you've already liked the page. If not, you got to like the page. Write a review, and in, within that review, post a picture of one of your turkeys you've harvested in the past. Um, and if you haven't killed a turkey in the past, put that in there, and maybe you'll win it, even if you aren't the first one to sign up. But... This podcast is going to help people bring those turkeys into range based on success that we've had this first week of Missouri's turkey season. So two weeks ago, we covered turkey habitat management practices to yep. improve turkey numbers. This week, we're going with the with a different spin and saying this is how we hunt turkeys to be successful and have more fun um, because we've been really successful this week. And yep. last year. You know, last year, first week, we posted that film, um, I think it was, it was Monday. So a week ago. So when this podcast releases, it'll be a week ago. Um, that that In that film, we shoot, we both tag out, and it's Tuesday of the second week. and Wh- Which I think in Missouri has, has to be said, you can only kill, you get two birds for the whole season, but you can only kill one during the first week of season to yes. hopefully get more birds to breed. And reach you know later portion of the breeding season. So second day that we could have tagged out, we tagged out in Missouri. That's right. And so it's been a last year was really good, but I think opening week this year was even better. I I think so too. Uh, yeah, we killed. I think we killed more birds. Um, there was just a lot of really good hunts uh, that we'll cover on this week's podcast. But uh, it was a really awesome week. Uh, we learned a lot, had a lot of laughs, had a lot of success. Can't wait to continue that into the second week as we kind of part ways and you go a different place, I go a different place, and yep. just continue continue uh, spring in the United States. Because you'll right. be, I almost said Midwest, but you're going to be in the <coughs> East Coast. Yep, heading to Virginia. And there will be a podcast on, on this portion of the trip, but uh, to take part and guide in the – Virginia one-shot governor hunt. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Been done that in the past, and it's just an awesome um, opportunity to, to kind of – I won't. I, I don't want to give it away yet. I'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast next week, so make sure you listen to that. But, yes, head into Virginia and Pennsylvania this and, next week. And then I'll – and you're consulting in Pennsylvania. Yep. I am consulting in next Tuesday in uh, Missouri – so we've got three consults during Missouri turkey season, which somebody, we didn't get the memo um, to not book consults during turkey season. But, you know, we've got plenty of days uh, since we're kind of, I mean, if we keep after it the same with the same intensity that we did this first week, we're going to be tagged out in no time, and it's not even yeah. halfway through the season. So we're right. going to space it out and try to hunt the, hunt the whole thing, the whole green up. Um, so really, and, and the different strategies behind hunting a, a early know, early season to mid season to late season, what that yeah. means for for us as hunters, 
So yeah, there's lots of different strategies that we, we want to be able to talk about and share the experiences and also be looking on Facebook and uh, Instagram and YouTube for some of these videos because a lot of these, these harvests have been um, filmed and Adam's putting them together, uh, doing some post-production on them and be watching on Facebook for some of these hunts. I think you said you've got a youth hunt almost done. I got youth hunt. Uh, I may finish it up today. I don't know. I, I, I squeezed out and I got an eighth day in the week to to turn <coughs> into video production, video yeah. producer somehow. So Some, somehow eighth day. There's no, 25 hours. There's 25 just, hours in a day now. I just cut out sleep. That's the number one thing. You know, if you're that's looking all, for more hours in the do. day, just sleep less. That's all you have to do. It's the quickest way to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, um, yeah, that's a. Uh, that's that's where we're at, and hopefully you've you've liked the uh, YouTube page or subscribed to the YouTube page. Right now we're in the heart of turkey season. You're going to see a bunch of turkey hunts, um, but right after that you're going to see a lot of habitat, and we're going to try and get these out on a weekly basis. So you better subscribe. If you hear us talk for an hour and you're like, "Boy, that sounds awesome! I wish I had a visual reference." You're going to get that coming soon. So um, be watching. Yeah. Do you want to just start from the top? <coughs> we've, we've got pretty much. Man, there's been so many hunts, honestly, that I'm trying to. Six, five or six harvests from this week um, from kind of our, our crew here in Missouri um, to talk about. I think either you or I were on all of them. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Opening day, we split up. You went with Seth yep. Parker. I went yep. with Chad. And uh, I'll keep it short and sweet with Chad and I's hunt. Um, we got in there, and we were easing up. It's kind of, if you remember one of the first videos, we hunted in a big alfalfa field. We were hunting that same alfalfa field, going after some long beards that, we, that Chad had heard the previous evening fly up. Um, and he was kind of listening from a different spot, and there was turkeys roosted right above the field. And one was strutting. So we're like, oh, man, that's a long beard right there most likely. Let's go ahead and set up. And so we set up and ended up as as daylight finally started cracking. It was uh, they were Jake's. No. Oh. And but the other toms were still gobbling. He had seen like eleven long beards uh, the night before. So we're like, it's Unreal. just a matter of time before they get in the field. Um, the only long beard that came in the field got ran out by the Jake's and another flock of so four Jake's came in early. Then six more Jake's came in later. Didn't stand a chance of calling long beard into that field. So. And that was pretty much our morning. I had to get to the real estate office. I left um, to get to the real estate office, and Chad ended up killing uh, after I left an uh, hour and a half later. That was pretty much it. Um, the strategy, not not a whole lot of strategy on that one, just because it was. Yeah, just there's call. not much you can do with with a bully flock of Jakes. Yeah, uh, you're they, very handcuffed when yeah. you when you start dealing with bully Jakes, especially a flock of Jakes, and so. We, we really had to just sit there, and what calling we did do, we knew that if we brought a Tom into the field, there was a good chance he was going to get run off. So it was kind of a lost cause. A little bit of a lost cause, but one thing, if you're seeing that many jakes um, in an area that you hunt and they're flocked up and they're pretty aggressive and you see them you know, run longbeards out of the field, note that. Be sure to not set out a jake decoy during your next couple hunts because they're going to be very leery of – coming into a decoy set that has jakes if there's one jake they're going to anticipate that others are very close and don't want to get run out of the field again so um, if you're seeing that kind of that kind of activity take note and 
Don't stick out that Jake decoy. Just sit out a single hen. They're more likely to close in the distance. They may do it slower, um, but they will absolutely uh, commit to that single hen decoy more times over than having a Jake out if they're yeah. bully Jakes. I, I imagine it's a lot like a high school guy who kind of rules the roost and a gang of middle schoolers get together and it's like, hey, punk. Not today. There's a lot Not of hurt today. feelings. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, that was pretty much it. You guys yeah. had a great day. We had we had an amazing morning there um, at Seth's property. Um, so, we hadn't done any roosting or anything like that. We just kind of went in. We're like, you know what? We're just going to run and gun it and uh, see where these birds are roosted and try to just, you know, put position ourselves in the best way um, to call in some, some turkeys that morning. And we had several groups of turkeys just kind of fire up right there at uh, daybreak and one of them was in this kind of a steeper drain um and there was numerous turkeys in there we thought it was a couple long beers and then some jakes mixed in um they were right there in the center of the property you really couldn't get past them to go and try and get set up on anything else so you're like you know what let's set up here on the edge of this field um they're down in that drain the wooded drain but there's a nice place to strut uh, in this little corner of the clover plot. So, and turkeys usually come in and out of that section. There's a couple logging roads that, that dump in right there. So felt pretty good about the setup. Mm-hmm. Birds are gobbling. And you can tell that there's a lot of you know, dominance still kind of getting sorted out among these turkeys on the property because there's several different groups gobbling back at one another. They're answering each other um, from, you know, one gobbles here, then it's like a chain reaction down the ridge. And um, so you're kind of taking that into um, and, to, and put in the back of your head there as you're calling and, and making a strategy. But um, these birds are, are gobbling hard, and we're hitting them pretty hard, too, from the roost. We can hear some hens down there, so we know there's some competition. Um, and we just kind of kept on them. And sure enough, with that many longbeards grouped up together or roosted close together, we figured that there may be a subdominant bird that kind of comes in, breaks off the group, and hopefully we come at least just check out the the setup and check out um, what's happening there in the clover plot because we were set up there. We had just a single, uh, no, we had we did have we had a um, you had stubby out. Yeah, we you? had stubby out. A Jake, there's turkeys right there. There's a strutter. Huh, we're driving down the road. There's more turkeys. But yeah, we had a um, a strutting a strutting turkey out and then a hen. So after calling pretty aggressive at it. It kind of gets a little quiet, and then sure enough, here's some spitting and drumming, looking at the edge of the timber. This bird is um, sitting there kind of looking, making sure, surveying the scene a little bit, and he comes out, struts, gobbles, and finally commits to decoys and comes right in. Kind of does that little last-minute 30-yard charge of the decoys, and Seth kind of rocks his world. But it's a great hunt, um, kind of your, your typical roost hunt, and just try and be aggressive because that's the that's – the, the nature of those turkeys this early season um sometimes you just got to get in in amongst them all and uh kind of set up your your camp there and just be loud and aggressive someone's going to come check you out when it comes to decoying strategies um early season that's that's typically the best time to use a strutter um you know down south florida people <coughs> talk about oceola is having ex- very aggressive being birds. very aggressive so they use strutters all the time here in the midwest i've i've noticed so, like, we wouldn't use a strutter in, in in the farm in Lebanon that we'd hunted with the flocks at Jake's because they're so doggone sick of fighting. 
and then you get a lot of timid birds, and it's not really. Now you may bring in the jakes with a strutter. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, but you want to. That's where we typically just use the the one one or two hens. Yep. Uh, in this scenario, there's a lot of turkeys gobbling. There's a, probably a couple bigger groups of them. Um, and so it's a good chance to put out a uh, strutter and know that one of them may come by or the whole flock may come by and not real, not like the idea of a loner out there puffing up and trying to strut his stuff to show dominance um, when he's not even part of the flock. And so it's a good chance to lure a bird in range. That's exactly what happened for Seth and you. Yeah, I mean, he didn't just come out of the timber and just run across her. He came out 50, 60 yards, surveyed the scene, you know, kind of sized up that that decoy. And that's the thing. I've seen, um, I don't know the make or brand, not that it really matters, but large strutting decoys, that really does turn off a turkey. I mean, this this decoy is a little bit smaller in size. Um, and I, it's still I, I don't, full I don't care to sh- say what, what decoy it is. It's, uh, I don't know what the, the actual Dakota name is. Dakota or DSD? I've, I've no, used that a, and put it out. It's, and a, it's, it's like, an avian. The one he's uh, using, or did well, he switch? The one, I'm talking. I'm talking one that's I've had negative reactions to. Oh. Is is a very large, full strut, very big turkey in comparison to what a, a normal sized turkey is. That has put the fear of God in some turkeys I've seen that they've not committed to decoys. But this is an avian. Yeah, um, I think it's a it's wall like a, mount or yeah, decoy. It's like a two D. Yeah. So you can use it as a mount, like a fan mount and a beard mount. But uh, you can also put a live fan on, or a real fan, not a live fan, but a, a real fan on it and wings and put a stand on it and make it look like a, two, a beard. 2D kind of a scoot and shoot yeah. uh, decoy. But we just, Seth, Seth is the one that really turned me on to it, but he used it a lot just in a normal, normal like a 3D decoy, even though it, it is 3D, but it's not quite. It's it doesn't have the flat. body. Yeah. Um, and had really good success with it. So, <clears throat> but right, it's got a smaller body in comparison, and kind of the way it's angled, throws out not aggressive, but just kind of like that. Hey, I'm I'm over here strutting. Don't mind me, kind of look. And uh, after that bird sized them up, we came out to the food plot. That uh, that's all it took. He just full committed in and came to about 30 yards, and that hunt was over. Um, we went. Birds were still kind of fired up. Tried to find another one. Um, we hunted around, hunted around, and um, put some miles on. Finally got back up to um, the back portion of the property, and it was getting kind of warm for, for uh, early season. But What a difference a year makes. Last year there was Golly, snow on opening kidding. day, and it was yep. freezing cold. I don't think it hit 40. And uh, by that time it was probably 65. And uh, anyhow, <laughs> we had already taken pictures with his bird, pretty much got back to the buggy, I was like, let's just call here one more time. And I ripped on the mouth call, cut a couple times, and I was pretty sure I heard a bird, and I looked over at him, and he's over there pointing. We had located another bird, and um, as soon as that happened, they were pretty close, and we had to get set up very quickly, put out just um, a hen decoy, and as we were doing that, a hen fired up right there amongst. So it was was multiple birds, um, and, and... most likely multiple hens and so we stayed on them calling wise and I don't think I've ever really called that much to a bird or to a a group of birds flock of birds um, late like that and and that early early in the season but you just had to stay on par with that hen and she was just cutting um, and basically you just wanted that interaction to hopefully 
entice her or tick her off enough to close the distance. And, of course, um, that gobbler would have followed. Anyhow, that didn't happen. The setup was a little little funky, but we just didn't have any room to, to be able to truly move in and around those birds. Um, they kind of drifted off, and we re repositioned. Um, did this a few times, repositioned on these birds. Finally, we called the hen in, and she actually drifted off back to the east, and the longbeard made a swing around um, to the west, and at that point, he was drifting, so we let him drift off, basically. He was had been 80 yards, um, but we're like, okay, at least that loudmouth is away from this, this gobbler. Let's try and get set up one more time. So we're working on third or fourth setup on this, this longbeard. It had been an hour and a half or so. Um, got set up, and sure enough, at that point, he had kind of had enough. Got him to answer again, and he comes walking right down a logging road all the way to 30 yards, gobbled his way in. Um, but the, the, I think the, the moral of this story is stay on that bird. If he's gobbling, it just is a matter of probably the right setup to be able to bring that bird into range. That late, um, he wanted to play, but you've just got to get the right terrain in between you and them to finally make that hunt happen. And that's what we did at 12 o'clock. I think that safety went off. There's a lot of people that uh, you can debate. What what do you think is worse worse on a, a worse thing on a turkey hunt? A bad caller or a bad setup? Bad setup. I think bad setup. Uh, and I think a setup is. I mean, that, this piggybacks right off that. A se a good setup is more important than a good caller. Um, but a good setup is something that's not – it's really hard to learn reading in a book or watching a video. Very tough. Um, Very tough. A good setup or a bad setup is really something that it, it – you may even have to hunt it one time. I know I've, I'm still learning <coughs> bad places to set up, even though they may look like good places. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the, what's difficult to learn about these is you don't – sometimes you may set a trail camera up or you may it may be close to one of your deer stands and you watch watch turkeys walk through this road this pinch all day every day during the winter but you get on one side of it put a tom on the other side and you try to call him through that he ain't doing it yep and he's going to circle all the way around and and uh and and never come into range and that to me is really there's a lot of people who are like really good deer hunters um, but they don't kill many turkeys or vice versa, or I, I guess not vice versa, but there's a lot of times where people overlook the importance of a good setup. And just because you sound great doesn't mean you're going to call a bird into a setup um, because there may be something there he doesn't like. And I've seen when it comes to hunting deer, we try to get in a lot of bottlenecks. When it comes to hurt hunting turkeys, avoid them. I try to get oh, far, far away from a bottleneck. Yes. Sure do. Um, and I've got a hunt coming up where I'll tell you about the problem with that. Um, yep. it, it's just one of those things. Like, if you've got berms on both sides of a road and you're trying to call it right up the berm, nope. don't do it. Don't don't even waste your time. And you may get one or two to slip through there. But overall, mm, it's going to be really, really hard. Um, I, basically, I was going to say 
I know, and we'll get into the guys from Stratton. They came up this week. Um, but I remember explaining to them earlier in the week, I said, listen, we're probably going to hear birds, and you're, I'm going I'm, I'm gonna to say let's go, but I guarantee you we're not going to go directly at those turkeys because that's just the importance of getting in the right position to call those turkeys into range. Yes, you have to know the landscape. You have to know where they're at just based on the sound that they make or you know where they're gobbling from. And then from there, your next move is how do I get – that turkey from his point A now to where I'm gonna plan B be at. Like what are the what's that what's that travel route that he's gonna be going through? And make sure it's super easy and doesn't put him in a precarious you know situation because he's not gonna do it. He's gonna backdoor or he's gonna loop around or just hang up. And it's like we might not go directly at them. I almost guarantee you we won't because we got so much topography around here. But just bear with me and when we're when we're going, we're just gonna go. It'll make sense when we get there, and that was most of the, most of the hunts. You yeah. don't go directly at them. Don't go directly at them, but it all depends on the terrain. It all obviously, yeah, I mean, um, that, that's huge. Terrain's more important than the the approach. If you're looking at just a plain approach and saying directly at them or a roundabout way, it all depends on the terrain. <coughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, combination of your approach. You still want to sound good. Oh, yeah. You definitely want to know when to shut up, mm-hmm. and then you definitely want to be able to pick a pick a good spot. I think I just keep going back to that good spot or the appropriate setup. There are some things that make it very tough. I mentioned the berms in a road. It could even be just a logging road in the, in the timber. Sometimes it's really difficult to call a turkey down a logging road in the middle of a timber if it's a narrow little skitter trail and it's very thick on either side it's probably not going to happen yep um the other thing is trying to call them like close to a fence yep. or uh, crossing through a fence or across a creek across a creek and or a, a corner of a field that's like a horseshoe of a creek or a ditch i i hate calling them around a corner like around the field edge or around the corner of a road where it makes a bend if if I have to do that, then I'm backing up. I'm making sure that I'm not too close to that corner. I want to back up and make sure that that bird, when it swings around, it can see a decoy, and it's not going to be right there on top of it. They get very spooky at that. Here's another thing. Calling turkeys downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, not one of my favorite things to do, um, especially steep slope. Don't try to. I don't try to get below them. I always try to get above them. But in certain instances... You may have to stay low. That's where backing up, maybe not calling to him as, a, as aggressive, um, but you have to once again reach his temperature. So Justin Adams, hashtag, it depends when it comes to your answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you can say, yeah, tur- never call a turkey downhill. We did it today. Yep. Um, so you want, always want to avoid fences, if at all possible, especially woven wire fences. When, that, when a, when a bird is, is fired up and just hammering at you, they get silly. I mean, they're, they're just, their mind is not in the right place. And I can't tell you how many birds we've had just hang up on a barbed wire or woven wire fence. It's like, turkeys, you cross that every other day yep. of your entire life. But right now, you're in a mindset where you can't think besides where's the hen, and you can't get through that fence. And it's frustrating, but... Just ponder that, and maybe you could have approached him differently and called him in the opposite direction, just backed out and around him, and you would have had a different result. Yep. I, uh. oh, one, of the, one of the other things, 
want to mention is in between my hunt and Seth's hunt, we had heard multiple other birds gobbling. This goes back to the early season setup. A lot of times we'll find is when you're kind of prospecting, you're trying to find that next bird to, to go after, um, you call, they gobble, you close the distance, you call, they don't gobble. And you're like, what the heck? What? What's going on, man? A lot of times I think that is we've, I don't know, termed it or called it the courtesy gobble. It's like, hey, I'm over here, but I've got hens, and now you're kind of getting in my bubble, and I don't need to gobble, and my hens are going to start taking me off in another direction. You might yep. hear them gobble, you know, another 200 yards further away. You're like, what? I didn't spook them, did I? By, most by, times it's got a, they got hens with them. By definition, I would say a courtesy gobble is a one-time response after a first call sequence. Yep. Um, and if you've got that... Think of, so there's a couple times. I consider a courtesy gobble most of the time is when you call one time, it's the first time for that turkey to hear you, he gobbles, and then he never gobbles again. He most likely had hens with him, and he gobbled, and the hens got closer to him. Yep. And so he shut up. He didn't need no you. Need um, he got distracted with the other hens. Other times you'll see where a turkey will gobble at you, and then it sounds like he's going the other way and he's gobbling. A lot of times he's got hens and those hens are trying Just to drag him away. away from you. Yep. And so that's another time that uh, I wouldn't call it a courtesy gobble. I'd just call it a hinned up turkey. And uh, so that's another thing to account for. What is the saving grace or what to do if you are hunting a turkey that's hinned up is I like to call with different sounds, a lot of cutting. Um, if I was to rank... My calls, if you look at cutting, yelping, cackling, purring, gobbling, all the different sounds that turkeys make, I would rake yelping number one and cutting number two. And way down the list is purring and gobbling and all the other ones that I almost never do. Um, and so yelping and cutting is what I like to do to try and just locate gobblers. But at the same time, I've had the most success getting hens to call back. And once I can get a hen to call back, the only hope that I have of bringing the whole flock in is making her mad to where she comes yeah. and drags the whole flock There's with her. There's a bird right there, too. And so cutting, yelping, trying to sound like a real hen, trying to sound like I'm angry. But, 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 yup, 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 but. And I can get her to answer. Volume. As soon as she answers, I try to make the exact same sound she made right back at her. Um, and that seems to almost like that kid brother who's playing the repeat game. Just, it's just You're poking the bear. That's yeah, what you're, doing. you're just trying to get her mad where she wants to come over and whoop you, and the Tom's coming because he wants to see this other hen. That's right. Um, and so that's another thing to do whenever you're get, when you're dealing with those hen-up turkeys. Uh, that, that is my favorite em. thing to do. Um, outside of decoying them, um, I feel like those are your two best options to kill hinned up turkeys. Mm -hmm. um, or, or if you know which direction they're going, if you can, loop all the way around them and get in front. Yeah, like if you know where they're going, get in front and possibly soft call the flock in. Yeah, it's worked before, but. I like ticking them off a little bit and just mocking them. Yeah, and I did that's too. where you get that bigger response. Um, if you're more aggressive, the response you're going to get is most likely going to be aggressive. There's certainly nothing wrong well. with looping around and getting in front of them, calling them in, or just getting around and getting in front of them and shooting them as one comes by. But it's way more fun to convince them that you're a turkey <laughs> and call them into range 
where you're at. Yep. Um, okay. I, that's my favorite way, always will be. Um, just exactly what we did today. We moved around, moved around, moved around, finally got a bird gobbling at us, had a decoy out, and were just able to call him to us. Felt like we really, what we did was we convinced a Tom to do something that he wasn't, that he's, he's used to hens going to him or walking a little ways to a hen, but we convinced him to travel a good distance to come to us. To come and that's That's what's steps. awesome. Yeah. Um, so what was the next hunt? Um, Probably the one with you and Heath. Well, you and I were on a hunt oh, Tuesday yeah, morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Duh. And uh, had some technical difficulties uh, with the camera and a new lens. <laughs> and birds and loop directly dur- behind us. Well, during that time frame, <laughs> we had to shut up to get that going. The next time we called, they had covered enough ground uh, with us not calling that they ended up coming in right behind us, 35 yards or whatever. Yeah. And so didn't weren't able to harvest those birds. Rule of thumb, um, always be on your toes because if a turkey ain't gobbling, there could be a chance that he's coming. Oh, absolutely. And uh, in that scenario, he was coming. Silence isn't always – doesn't I, mean it's I, done I, at all. I don't. I don't get too worried about silence. Nope. I get worried when it's long silence. Yep. And it's long silence when I've been calling. If I'm not calling and he doesn't gobble, I don't get. I. I I'm not too worried about a it. A lot of times, if they're making their way in, they will shut up and just cover the distance and just kind of get and there. And then gobble when they get a little yes. closer to let you know well, they're coming in. When yeah, if they like like the bird this morning made it through that patch of timber across the fence. And then when he got to the edge of the field, what did he do? Because oh. he, he got Gobble to where he was much, much more comfortable and said, okay, I'm here. I should be starting to see you. Where are you at, Gobble? And that's what happened. Directed yep. his attention, and here he came. Um, but, yeah, a little bit of a missed opportunity there, but still a good morning. Um, and then had to go to the real estate office. It was more of a scouting mission. Yeah, Because we to- we'd shared with you guys that we pr- probably weren't hunting the family farm and the lease. Turkey numbers are low. Uh, we went, it was kind of, Matt had the office that day. We couldn't hunt real late. So we decided to go to the farm just to kind of scout and see what was there. We heard probably four birds, four or five birds maybe. And it was like, you know what? If one of these works and we shoot one of them, it's not hurting the population. Nope. And so that's what we did. Didn't get it done. Next day, Wednesday morning, I'm with Heath North. Yep. And you're with Keith Hammer of Stratton Seed, who was on last week, yep, about talk about yep. all the new seed varieties and what <coughs> seed blends they have available this year. Yep. Uh, so Heath North and I set up Seth Harker's farm, and we walk up the hill. Birds gobbling on the limb, and it's already how many turkey hunters have been late uh, getting to there? Uh, every one of us. Every hand raised. We, we the were podcast. <laughs> we were late, and there's. This part of the farm, there's one big food plot, and the rest is mainly timber with a few logging roads. And uh, we got set up, or we heard him gobbling, and it was kind of like, yeah, we could go closer because he's over 200 yards, but we're going to be trying to call him into a little bitty logging road on the bend in timber. You know what? They like to hang around in this food plot anyway. We're in between the food plot and where he's at on a big logging road intersection. Let's just call him into this. It may take longer for him to get here, but I feel like we're pretty we're pretty set or uh, we're set up in a pretty good spot. Your setup was good. You didn't have you didn't have to close the distance because you know what? You could call him to where you were yeah. just as easy. So we sat down immediately. Hen's still on or turkey's still on the roost. This is a little pet peeve of mine. 
I like to call to him on the roost. I, I read an article <coughs> years ago by pretty – I mean, he's a guy I respect a lot, and he said he doesn't call to birds on the roost. He, huh. he waits till they're on the ground. I like to call to him on Definitely. the roost because I want them thinking about me and only me. When I want, before they pitch down and decide a direction they're going off the limb, I want them to know, hey, you should be making your way to me. If, if he's roosted facing south and I'm set up to the north of him, I want to make sure he spins around and he's facing north when he gets ready to fly down. Yep. And uh, so I did a, a light tree help. He gobbled. Then all kinds of other stuff's going on. He kept gobbling. So about a minute later, I hit him with a little bit louder yelp. He gobbled. I flew down, did the old wing flap. I've got yep. that wing in my. Uh, we all, both of us carry a wing. Yeah. From an old, an old. And I'm turkey. hoping I remember mine this morning uh, that I sat down. Um, oh, yeah. On our first setup. Either yeah. way, I'll get it next time. And uh, if I did forget it, oh, I've got oh, you three. Got, you got a spare them. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I've got three from last year. <coughs> gotcha. Um, and anyway, so it's like, all right, let's uh, let's see what happens. So I start yelping. He's hammering. And uh, now I know he's convinced this hen's on the ground. So what's he doing? He's going to – I want him to think, I got to get to this hen before she moves off and another tom uh, gets her in his flock. And so I, he's gobbling really good. So I hammer him pretty good. I've checked his temperature. He's hot. I want to just go ahead and – Keep Someone's the gas say, on the pedal. What do you mean? You guys have said check your temperature. Like, what what does that mean? That just means you're you're changing the frequency and the volume of your call to see how he's then responding to that. Maybe you're cutting a little bit harder, cutting a little bit louder, and if he's gobbling back harder, you know he's pretty hot. Well, even nature sounds. Is he gobbling on his own in between your calls mm-hmm. at nothing? You're not hearing birds or nothing. He's just gobbling. We know he's a hot bird. Hot birds are great, but they can cool down quick. So I kept calling at him, wanting to keep his attention our way. It wasn't a few minutes later he had flown down, and it sent, you get that gobble, and you're like, oh, man, he went the other way. No, he just flew down. There's elevation in between us. Kept calling at him. What I did was I broke out two other calls, hit him with a slate call, hit him with a box call to make him think there's some different hens over here or other hens over here. And it wasn't ten minutes later – there he was a lot closer so i went ahead and zoomed in and uh, with the lens on the camera no yawns and, man and sure enough <laughs> oh there's tons of yawns they've been getting up at or going to bed four. at 11 30 and getting up at four um i told you early grave and uh anyway that bird stepped out in the road about 70 yards away and keep in mind no decoy so it's just you and the bird. Me and the bird. All he knows is the the person calling. And what he, he thinks and is the, on hen. the gun. So he's looking. So there's a cameraman, myself. So I'm the, I guess, clarify that. I'm the cameraman and he's hunting. So two of us hunkered down in a stack of logs trying to convince a gobbler that a live hen is in the area to bring him an, into range so he can shoot him. Heath's first bird, by the way, if, if we make this, make this successful. Yeah, first turkey hunt, turkey kill. Um, And so call this bird. He hangs up 70 yards. And one of my favorite sounds to make outside of a turkey call is that taking that wing of a turkey and scratching in the leaves. Makes it sound like a, a live hen's feeding, not calling. He was gobbling at that. Told me this bird's still hot. 
he would just like more confirmation before he goes into an intersection or continue walking down the logging road to potentially get shot or ambushed by a predator. So stay on him, keep calling, but most importantly, I turn the volume down. I start doing real soft, scratching leaves. People are going to say, he's at 70 yards, you see him, like, and you're moving like that? Behind the tree, yeah. reach around behind Big the tree. tree. Uh, for me, I had the net for filming, so I was yep. able to scratch or even just wiggle your leg on the ground. Or put your hand right behind your leg and just scratch a little bit. It doesn't take much to move those leaves. Uh. Oak leaves make some noise. And uh, did that for a little bit. Here he came. Walked right down the logging road all the way into 20 yards. He shot him. Um, the only other Beautiful calling I hunt. did was when he was right in front of us, and I wanted to make him gobble for the video, and I did. So it's going to be an awesome hunt for you guys to enjoy very soon on our YouTube and social media pages. Rule of thumb on that one, checking a t uh, Tom's temperature and using a variation of calls, multiple calls, box calls, slate calls, different strikers on slate calls, mouth calls, scratching the leaves. You want to convince him there's a flock here and make him looking for them. And that's what we did. Well, and two, you've got to be able to close out a gobbler. How many people do you hear that get to uh, get a bird to respond, but then they hang up, they hang up. You've got to be able as a turkey caller, as a hunter, to be able to finish that bird out. And that's where, you know, these soft calls, um, the little clucks to feeding um, uh, purrs, things like that, the, 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 the calls that a bird makes when they're flocked together, that they're comfortable, they're safe, that's what brings those turkeys in close. That's and what gives them comfort. Yeah, and scratching the leaves is definitely a big one. Everyone can do that. If you can't call softly and a bird hangs up, just scratching the leaves. I know it sounds silly, but that just lets them know, hey, turkeys are doing natural things over there, and they're doing. They're only going to feed when they're comfortable, so it's safe there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the distance. That's Box exactly calls, what slate calls, tube calls, wing bone calls, great calls. Everybody should know how to use them or, or use at least half of those and um, they, they can play a huge part in successful hunts. But if you're asking me, Usually it's not you the can end. take one call and, and you're going to the woods, I think one of the biggest mistakes a turkey hunter can make is not learning how to use a mouth call. 100%. And when a turkey's coming in, you should have a mouth call in your mouth ready to go, especially if you're filming. Um, if you're filming and you need to stop that bird, or the cameraman needs to stop that bird. We all have mouth calls in the whole time we're hunting. And uh, and it's for that reason of maybe I need to close him out. I finish this turkey out. He's hung up at 80 yards. I need to bring him in closer. Um, that's where a mouth call is crucial. You'll you can't see, really do that on a slate. You'll see it on Trace's, uh, Seth's son's hunt, call the bird in. And then I had to get that bird to stop in the shooting lane for Traceville to take a shot. And it was just two clucks. And it stopped, raised his head up. But I had a mouth call in, and I'm filming and trying to call, but it's essential you've got to be able to, to stop that bird where he needs to be stopped. What's the next one? Uh, whatever, I you guess and Heath. Keith, yeah. Uh, uh, are you and Keith? Keith, that's right. Keith Keith had a little bit of a snake bite on this trip. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. Um, the, last year was his first turkey. This year was Heath's first turkey. Last year, Keith uh, got to experience killing a turkey without that he was coming into a decoy. Yep. This year he had to learn the the stubbornness of, of turkeys and what they can do of 
wanting to come in but not wanting to close the distance and come right in. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of skirt in <clears throat> the edges. Yeah. So the first morning we were in turkeys um, pretty much all morning long but just never had one fully commit to uh, They were pretty hinned up. So the next morning we had rain coming in, but um, opportunity with about 45 minutes of the first hour of light to uh, to get out before the rain really started to dump. And um, actually ended up having a bird kind of fire up and get pretty hot. Uh, we cut off the, the distance between him and uh, where we thought he was going. We've seen birds in this field a couple days um not necessarily in a row, but we're like, okay, they're they're gonna come to that field. We need to get there, cut them off, and just kind of put some decoys out in front. Anyhow, by the time we got there, he had closed so much distance that he was already in the field. And there's enough slope in the field that we didn't feel comfortable being able to run out real quick, stake a decoy, um, and get back to the timber before he probably popped his head up. So I started filming. Key sat down. You had to. You didn't have an option, but had to put the decoy back behind us um, in a smaller opening, and there's still a lot of roll in between, you know, you and the turkey and some additional brush. Um, but that turkey's committing. He pops his head over and stays out basically the whole time, kind of skirts around 50 yards. Um, and basically, Keith could only see from about middle of his breast up. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, you could you could kill that bird, but being kind of newish to turkey hunting, Keith, you know, and and there being a roll um, in the terrain, it was tough for him to judge the distance. I said, Keith, if, if you're good, take the shot, but he didn't want to force it, didn't want to push the envelope, uh, which totally respect. He made the right call. Uh, he did, and um, that bird just we basically tried. We tried to throw calls. Basically, he's he's moving pretty hard left to right. And Adam and I are trying to throw calls back to the left to kind of suck him back into our setup. But um, he I just I think that turkey skirted. was a product of, of the conditions. If you remember right, he moved right across that field and gobbled the whole way. Mm-hmm. But then he got in that timber and, and kind of calmed down for a little bit. And that's when the heavy, the heavy, heavy mist and rain hit. Yep. Yep. And we scrambled back to the cabin. It was almost like he knew that that was coming and was getting out of that field. Yeah, it's very, very possible. Um, Next morning, yeah, we had a bird just gobbling hard on the roost. Um, we cut the distance, got set up, and um, it's super thick in, in that little portion of timber where he was roosted at. And before you know, we started calling like Keith. Listen, I understand it. You know, it's thick in here. If if he comes in, you know, you've got an opportunity. Make sure you take it. I'm going to get as much footage as I can. Anyhow, the bird's gobbling, double gobbling, everything, every sound in the woods he's just gobbling at. Do a couple soft tree yelps, gobbles back. Do a fly down, gobbles back. Um, and he pitches down. He, he actually pitched and went the opposite direction off the limb. Um, so at that point, I decided, hmm, I need to really get his attention in here. Got even more intense with calling, threw in quite a few clucks um, uh, in a series of yelps. Anyhow, God's attention, he closed the distance a little bit, got back, basically back to where he was roosted at, um, finished the bird out with some softer calls, and he comes in to about 40 yards, and another hen was behind us, and we didn't know, but she comes in, clucks one time. Don't know if she saw something with the setup or uh, one of us moved or what it was, but she flicked up in a tree just above um us and the bird and he he was at 40 yards 
gobbling and, and still kind of coming in but skirting a touch left. Anyhow, as soon as that little mishap happened, he kind of turned around, did the old wing flap, and uh, re basically when they reposition their wing, usually it means they're getting out of there. So if you see that and the bird's coming in, you have seconds most likely to, to try and make a shot or make something happen. If not, they're going to wheel around and get out of there. And that's what happened. Saw something he didn't like, and he moved back, was never able to uh, get back on the bird. It got super, super windy um, the rest of the morning, and uh, that's it was just when, very tough conditions to turkey hunt. At that same time, I, my dad, my brother, and I were all hunting together, and uh, we kind of hunted those – we were headed in to hunt those same two birds that you and I had dealt with yeah. that came in right behind us. And uh, it was already windy uh, that that morning, even while they were still on roost. So we paralleled the side of a big ridge, thinking they were roosted on the other side. And they most likely were. Not sure if they gobbled uh, any, but we didn't hear them walking walking by. We heard other birds further to the north, so we moved up to a food plot and sat down heard these other birds working sounded like three maybe four we went ahead and sat down start calling they're gobbling good and those birds seemed to be coming in and all of a sudden blah right behind us and it was these two birds that have apparently heard us and come in either silent or gobbled and it was so windy we couldn't hear them they came all the way in and um putted right behind us about 40 yards because there was three grown men sitting next to little <laughs> pencil trees. We had good backing cover for the other birds we were set up on, but we didn't have good backing cover for these birds coming from behind us. I believe that was the same issue with, with Keese. You know, yeah. That bird came in, that hen came in directly behind. It's like, eh, something not quite right. So she ends up, or they end up circling all the way around us. They'd putted, but they gobbled the whole way. Um, ended up teaming up with these other toms, and that this it's not important on uh, ended up being two toms and then f three jakes. What's important about this is it's a new food plot. There's still some dozer decks in the center of this field, and there was a good 30, 40 yards in this corner that we were set up in that was planted in the legacy blend from Stratton last fall. It looks great, but at the same time it's a new food plot and there's uh, treetops to the to the east and a tree line to the west, tree line to the north. We were in the corner of it, so there's stuff all around. This was a prime example of a matured tom doesn't want to come into that bottleneck. The jakes ended up coming to the bottleneck for a short period, but they even they didn't want to hang around. And a jake's a pretty ignorant bird. Yeah, um, they throw caution to the wind often. And so... Um, Basically, that's the new food plot, and we had to learn, okay, we got to get these treetops out of here this year, not only so we can plant the whole field, but because we don't want to be fighting turkeys like this mm -hmm. anymore. So that was a bottleneck that can occur that may not even look like a bottleneck. Yep. Um, another, so that was pretty much our morning, minus the monstrous mushrooms that we found, the morels. Uh, one day we found 70-some, the next day we found 80-some. Um, we've been finding a bunch of morels. Too bad they don't taste very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I know we may be. Uh, We're rare in that. There's a yeah. lot of people who like them, but um, I, I, I don't fan. see. I, we find a bunch, but that's about it. Uh, we don't. We don't eat a whole lot of them. Um, so it was. Uh, that was a, a good morning minus the no kills. Um, but what's most important about this is the next morning we took off. Yeah. 
um, because that was actually the day that this was yesterday. Um, that's when we celebrated Easter with our uh, families. We went to eat Easter lunch because that's where the schedules for everybody set up. So we skipped this one and we went to church Saturday night at ours. And we decided to hunt Sunday morning, Easter. That's today. So we're recording on a Sunday. You're going to hear this released on Tuesday. This morning, um, <laughs> we were hunting our, our one of the farms we liked to hunt near Lebanon. And uh, we had birds roosted, gobbling good. And about five minutes before shooting hours, boom, 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 boom. I think that it was, was four five. shots. Okay, so yep. it was four, four shots. Four shots. Somebody shot either right on the boundary on the neighbor or right on the boundary on the guy we're hunting on. And uh, turkey shut up. Then they end up finally gobbling a little bit later, more to the north. Uh-oh, they moved off. Um, then we hear the person calling down there. So we went down there. Turkeys had shut up. That time is over. We talked to the person. And no kills. And we ended so up. So they say. So they say. We're very yeah. skeptical of the whole situation. Yes. And then um, we went after some other birds. There was a whole bunch of other birds gobbling. And that's the biggest learning, one of the best learning experiences for turkey hunting this week for us was last two years ago we hunted some birds. And you see this a lot on cattle farms. The old fence wasn't torn down, mm -hmm. but a new fence was put right next to it. Yep. And so, so you like basically have double like a the wire. <laughs> seven or eight wire fence, um, barbed wire fence that you're that we're trying to pull this turkey through to come into range. Um, so we knew the odds weren't great. That's one thing you try to avoid. Unfortunately, we couldn't avoid it on this one. No, if if we'd gone anywhere else, the the bird had to cross the fence, and it, you, there was just no other way around it. We had fooled with another bird in the same area two years ago and that bird i think it's actually two of them at that time um no it's actually three group uh three birds anyhow they'd never cross that fence they just would not do it we knew it was going to be a little difficult but um there are some tactics to hopefully get a bird to fully commit across um, a barrier like that and it's not throwing the kitchen sink quite at them but it's getting aggressive and being very excited hens and multiple hens and uh that's so what had to happen we started out soft Yep. Knew it wasn't working. Got a little more aggressive. He started gobbling. We kind of toned it down. He kind of toned it down. So it was like, eh, he's kind of following our lead. So we got real aggressive, and he got crazy. Gobbling <coughs> nonstop. <coughs> and then we did the old hat trick with him that is probably one of the biggest struggles for new hunters. And for a lot of hunters was just got cold on him. We shut up, and that was about enough. We just And it was only for a few minutes, but it gave it just enough to where he may have thought that turkey was leaving or those hens were leaving or another tom came in and they didn't need to call anymore. And so he just he went nuts on that. And uh, another part of that setup was he was uphill from us. And so instead of sitting close to the hill, we backed off and got over across the valley and began to try and call him across the – through the fence, and down the hill, into range. And so we got really aggressive, multiple calls, multiple calling sequences, and he gobbled the whole time, and then we went quiet for a few minutes. And like I said, that is very difficult for a, a lot of people to do. You want, 
it's 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 our intention to you know to want to stay on them so we know exactly where they're at the entire time as they're gobbling and respond you kind of say okay he's moving closer he's doing this and that but again sometimes these birds they shut up when they're coming in and especially crossing tough barriers but got him excited and then gave him the cold shoulder basically and he did not like that no and he here had he came. to figure out what was going on and boy he came and one of the best shows we've seen in a while. That was a very, very good show. All the way across. What do you think? He probably popped out about 120 yards away. Probably. On the wood line. And then I don't think he didn't hardly drop strut all the way to 15 yards and just gave every single angle, um, gobbled in our face at 25, maybe 30 yards. Yeah. Twice. And then Ugh. he would not get out of strut. And we had <laughs> no. to pry him out of strut. Um, uh, I even yelled at him at one point trying to get him out of strut, and he didn't. So I ended up shooting him in strut, which is not something. I just don't like seeing a, a, a turkey that's just absolutely beautiful and just see tur- feathers, feathers go everywhere. Yeah. So I'm like, I want his head to come up. Well, he didn't do it, and I finally had to shoot him. I think what I did was he poked his head out of strut. Sideswiped him. And I tried to hold on the left side of his head so I didn't just throw feathers everywhere and I clipped him he kind of spun up and fell back down and uh, one of the best shows great calling uh, as far as gobbling and, and giving us just a, a sh- an audio show and a, a visual show yeah. it's just something to enjoy uh, that especially hunt will on be Easter morning in- incredible incredible we, we talked about it, I think last week with, with Chad and, and probably the week prior too on the For Love of the Lamb podcast because it's just so special to us but um, turkey season is incredible, but the sights and sounds, and yeah. and the it, it, you can't you can't des- describe it. I think accurately, you just have to be there in person, experience it. And today was one of those one of those hunts and moments where you're like, you just really take a step back. You're like, yep. that was absolutely incredible. We That's saw gorgeous. a meadowlark, yeah. We saw a kingbird, and we saw quail. four quail on our way out. Yep. So, there's more it. to it than just punching tags. And uh, we got to experience it all this morning. Hopefully you guys are experiencing it, whether you're in down south or northeast or great great lakes. Wherever you're at, hopefully you get out and enjoy turkey season this spring. And, uh, I mean, it's Easter Sunday. So remember the real reason why, why we're out there. We're, we're out there to enjoy God's creation um, and be great stewards of that creation. So um, remember that every time we're out there. Be respectful of the animals, too. You yes. got to say that. Please so, stop the social media posts that are disrespecting the animals. Well, I don't think you guys are doing it, but you might have friends doing it. So let's just be great reminders of, of how to carry ourselves as hunters to society and uh, try to build this build this uh, we community. Sh- we should care what other people think. Yeah. I, th- I think we should. Think. <laughs> um, but anyhow, I, I think that, uh, and I hope... Other people are having just as much fun out there as we are because we're having a blast. Oh, I don't. What did we say? Six turkeys. Because Dad killed one this morning as well. But six turkeys. Let's just say people filming. So Chad and Dad are out. But we got (laughs) Heath, you, Seth, uh, Seth, yourself, myself, and my brother killed a bird this week too in Virginia. Yep. Um, So four birds on film this this week. Yep. Um, And they're all pretty stinking awesome awesome hunts so you guys better look like the facebook page subscribe on youtube so you don't miss out on all these videos getting ready to drop soon 
Anyway, guys. Appreciate you guys listening. It's nap time, and uh, (laughs) hopefully uh, we'll be back at it in the morning as we work a property, but hunt before we before we really get going with it and um, so there'll be lots and lots of turkey content coming to you soon lots more hopefully you guys enjoy it leave us a review and we'll catch you next week peace out